We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Welcome in to the Rotowire NFL podcast brought to you by Yahoo and Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports. John McKechnie here, joined as always by Mario Puig here on this Thursday, looking ahead to all the games in week seven. Mario, how you doing? Uh, good. Just constr- doing a lot of construction in the office, so that's what I've been doing mostly lately. Yeah, you and I both wearing overalls uh, and carpenter pants at the same time, uh, both have uh, hammers and measuring tapes and things of that nature strewn about. We're listening to radio that like a Pandora station that just plays Hinder and Godsmack and uh, Alice in Chains, but only the new stuff. <laughs> no lips of an angel here. This is for the real fans of Hinder. <laughs> but yeah, so we uh, we might be a little light on the football prep because we do manual labor now. We do. Um, yeah, m- through the splinters of our hands, we work through our high tech laptops to bring you the premium. NFL content 
so let's get into it. Um, let's look ahead. Obviously, the Chiefs and Broncos will have played by the time this is posted. So let's jump over uh, early window Sunday. Let's get into the Rams versus the Falcons. We have a high over under in this one, checking in at fifty four and a half. First of all, what was what's you what did you make of the Rams tr- uh, transactions throughout the week here? Uh, drunken. I don't know what I like the that. Thinking. I love Jalen Ramsey. It's like he's awesome, but that they had to move Marcus Peters to make room for him, basically, and Akib Talib is out for ever pretty much i just think there's a lot of things wrong with the team that that trade does nothing to help and it exhausts future resources that would have been useful for fixing you know some of these issues and i don't think i don't think they're going to make the playoffs this year i mean they're three and three they suck basically because jared goff is not good he needs very easy playing system very favorable circumstances to be at least uh, average and uh, when he goes against a good defense like last week you see it can get quite bad like about as bad as any quarterback really but this week they go against the falcons of course who being led by defensive mastermind dan quinn have fallen a a tad short of the expectations that they might have had for him when they hired him from seattle and uh, somehow even though every single week it seems like there's some there's some article about like dan quinn to emphasize tackling and practice this week it's like that's been happening that article that headline has been happening for about four years now I'm assuming it happened this week, too. Who cares? Uh, they're not going to tackle, though. That's the thing. We've seen how this works out. And uh, even Goff can throw on these guys. Yeah, so I think this sets up to be a bounce back for, for the Rams. I agree with your general premise or position there that the Rams, you know, and it's not just like a Super Bowl hangover thing. It, it They were constructed to win it last year. And every everything that happens after that, I think, is going to be on the downhill trajectory. I just think that last year was their chance and now they're, now they are stuck with a very expensive, mediocre quarterback. I, as much as I love Todd Gurley, that contract is already aging extremely poorly. Yeah. Um, Donald, of course, is a, is a worthwhile investment for the future here, but uh, you know, Jalen Ramsey, it, it does feel like a bandaid on, on a much bigger issue that, that I think the team has. And I think it's extremely top heavy as far as the, you know, looking at their books goes and it's a very thin roster, otherwise not a ton of depth, uh, the offensive line, not functioning the way it, it did last year. So yeah, yeah this is it, just not looking good for them. Yeah. It's a bandaid move. And instead of putting it on the part of their body where they're bleeding, they just like strapped it to their eyebrow. Oh, like that the, is, like yeah. the Jerry Jones uh, metaphor from over the summer when he was talking about oh, which, God, which one about which Jerry Jones <laughs> metaphor or analogy you use. Because, <laughs> the uh, one about where you cut your hand off in the woods by mistake and you run out into the street. Um, wow. Quite, quite a wooded area we have here when there's, you know, hand cutting off devices next to the street. What happened next? I don't know this one. Um, he, he said that the fool runs into the street, um, and the smart guy just hangs out with, uh, the brain genius sc- just bleeds to death <laughs> basically yeah. while waiting for help. Yeah. Yeah. But in the woods. Okay. Well, <laughs> not I'm, sure all he's, I'm sure he's on to something there. I'm sure. I'm sure it's a great point that he was working toward. And uh, I just, I don't know if we have enough time in this podcast to sort through, you know, the genius of the Jerry Jones uh, mythos. 
So uh, I, th- I think we just have to leave that on up to, to natural mystery for now. Okay. And then just rounding back to this game, is there anyone from the from the Falcons that, that you like that you that think yeah. this sets up well this week? Uh, Freeman's been obvious. getting a little momentum lately, so that's kind of interesting. Not not in terms of the matchup specifically. It's just kind of interesting in general with him. And they're at home if Matt Ryan throws on this defense, which they should. Is Ram- Ramsey's not in this week, is he? He's practicing today. Oh, really? Okay. Well, that'd be interesting. But Akeem Talib is still out, so they're going to be playing Troy Hill at one of those outside corner spots and if it's julio great if it's ridley that still works too so they should move the ball uh freeman seems to be doing okay maybe he can get a little bit going here too um but i actually like brandon cook's chances of getting going a bit in this one uh the the falcons pass rush is bad the coverage is bad so Goff should have enough time cooks should get open maybe Goff is so rattled that he just has the yips now and can't even make the easy plays that he used to but there should be easy plays here and they really got to get cooks going if they want to establish a balanced uh threat on offense exactly yeah it's been it's been way i mean much to like the benefit of, of everyone that has cooper cup shares he also uh, looks great here yeah this is, this is an awesome spot for him but you know like you like you kind of like a recurring theme that you've mentioned here this season is like the guys that, that get the high volume sometimes it's an it's like a poor indicator of what else is going on in the offense. Like you brought that up um, with like Austin Eckler getting like the, the million targets a couple weeks ago. It's like, that's right. It's great for Eckler, but it's, it's awful for this chargers offense. And yeah, like you were saying with Hooper and and Sanu as well, when you can't throw to the guys who have the highest depth of target and it reliably gets worse over time, the offense is the, the field is shrinking on the offense basically. And you're, you're categorically getting less for your downs basically exactly so so that's a a trend that needs to be bucked if you're the rams there uh rams three-point favorites on the road do you have a side there not really i guess uh i guess i'll take them because just the falcons defense seems so bad and matt ryan still he's putting up insane fantasy volume but he hasn't played or at least he hasn't produced especially well maybe it's not his fault maybe he's playing fine but uh i just don't believe in atlanta either i guess yeah i, I have a hard time trusting atlanta and that's not really a home field advantage the only thing working in their favor is, is the body clock thing with the you know 10 a.m body clock kickoff for the rams but i like the rams in this one as well as jump over to the giants versus the cardinals uh, a couple young rookie quarterbacks getting after it here. The Giants, three-point favorites in this one. Uh, what do we make of this one? Well, Patrick Peterson is back, so it's going to be a little different with the Arizona defense that's been so friendly so far. I think that even if he's on the field, though, especially for a game like this, especially with guys like Evan Ingram and Golden Tate running over the middle, there's still a lot of ways that the Giants can hurt them with those two. I think it would be Sterling Shepard who kind of gets the short end of the stick if if he moves more outside with tate there and it kind of seems like it's hinting that way then peterson would be most likely to shadow shepherd because i don't think uh, maybe i'm wrong on this but i don't think peterson will follow tate into the slot and i think they might have tried to keep even if they could it's like they just have him on shepherd anyway because shepherd's faster than tate that's that's my best guess anyway okay. so i like tate a lot everyone of course will like evan ingram tight end one quite arguably with the arizona defense uh it, it was like the Giants a, a year or two ago that was so insanely bad that it seemed almost impossible against defending tight ends. And uh, that Cardinals defense looks like it's going to just demolish, like chainsaw, dismember that that <laughs> record, whatever the previous one is. Like every tight end is lighting them up and Engram is you know back from injury was was red hot before uh, the injury flared up. And I think Jones is going to need to throw to him a lot in this one and what should be 
a pretty up-tempo setting as long as the weather doesn't get weird or something um because i think kyler murray as much as that uh falcons defense is terrible and certainly accommodating kyler murray still made some legitimately good throws last week that lesser quarterbacks wouldn't have been able to so even if the giants are well coached on defense which i think james betcher does that pretty well still seems knock on wood like the falcons or sorry that the cardinals maybe have like an actual rhythm going on offense now knock on wood okay and what do we make of david johnson then i mean it looks like he's gonna play and it looks like he's practicing more than he did last week obviously it worked out okay last week even though he kind of split a little bit of the workload with chase edmonds they just run so many plays and they're short enough on receiver talent that i think edmonds might stay a, a pretty decent flex consideration at least in the um the good matchups and it's of course easier said than done to correctly guess how good a matchup is or isn't but this particular game it should be one of the better uh, setups for Edmonds if you need to go to him okay yeah I do like Edmonds as a flex too I think you bring up a really good point in terms of the sheer um, volume of plays that the Cardinals uh, have been running to this point really up-tempo attack kind of unlike any other offense in the league Uh, I got a quick message here from our friends over at Yahoo before we continue our week seven breakdowns here the NFL season is in full swing and at Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports there's a million reasons to enter the free Yahoo Cup on Daily Fantasy, and they're all dollars. That's right. Yahoo Cup is free to enter, and a perfect lineup will win you $1 million every week of the football season. It's as easy as entering the contest and picking your players. If you're over 18 and a United States citizen, there's no reason why you shouldn't take your shot. Yahoo Daily Fantasy Football has new contests every week with guaranteed cash prizes. Even if you don't score a perfect lineup, you can still walk away from a game with a little cash. Choose Yahoo Daily Fantasy today. Get started now at yahoo.com slash daily fantasy. All right, Mario, let's jump on over to the Packers versus the Raiders. Uh, kind of an interesting game. I've I feel like there's been a groundswell of optimism about the Raiders recently. I guess this week I can kind I'm of see it like this. Yeah, just because, <laughs> um, just because uh, uh, the Packers, their run defense, either it's bad or they concede the run. Josh Jacobs is doing well, so you know that coming off that win in London, if they can get Josh Jacobs going, then they can kind of get a similar blueprint landed in this game and of course they would need the defense to play as well as it did uh, against the lowly bears but i think there's a case to make that the packers are a lowly offense as well at least with Devonte adams out and even if he was in there even if Devonte adams was playing it's like just double triple team him who cares like these other receivers geronimo allison is not good um Valdez scantling is probably fine but he's hurt too him and allison are both hurt so uh the Packers might be down their top three receivers and even if they're not they're definitely down Adams and if Allison and Valdez Scantling can play they'll probably be limited so Alan Lazard got going last week he's pretty interesting it's not like he's not the kind of prospect that I am excited about exactly but there are definitely other players who get a lot of snaps in this league some of whom are even vaguely productive who I would still say like Alan Lazard is definitely a better prospect than that guy and uh you know they might get snaps at least for him in this game yeah and rogers at home is usually something other than terrible even if he's not quite good at this point Mm -hmm. and you know furthering your point there there there's a tweet from field yates uh earlier this afternoon packers currently healthy receivers we got jake kumro alan lazard ryan grant 
Darius Shepard. Ryan Grant. Uh, yeah. yeah, remember him? No, yeah, but not the running back one. this time. It's worse. <laughs> it it gets worse. Uh, and then on the Raiders side, in terms of their healthy receivers, they're pretty dinged up as well. Hunter Renfro, Zay Jones, Trevor Davis, Keelan Dawson, Marcel Aitman are their healthy receivers, are guys that are fully healthy right now. So passing game could be a little bit ugly. I, I definitely follow your point uh, when it comes to Josh Jacobs kind of being the focal point of this Raiders offense, just sheerly out of necessity. I think it's going to be the Jacobs show, and I think Waller is also going to get going. The newly signed, uh, good for him. Yeah, Rich definitely good for him. I saw, though, that he's got a rap career, and I I like Darren Waller, so I'm going to try not to hear that song. Um, it ruined my fondness for Cole Beasley when I, who I was <laughs> such a big fan Because you were of. such a stan before. Um, yeah, when I heard that rap, I was just like, oh, sorry, sorry, Cole. I'm out. I'm going to have to bury this jersey. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, D- Darren Waller is an awesome tight end, and may- maybe he's even a good rapper. I don't know. I didn't like. I said I'm not risking it. But uh, yeah, with Tyrell Williams, I don't know if he's necessarily like. I-, I haven't seen the latest on him, but that foot injury, not practicing yesterday, it's a little concerning. Even if he does play, and that Green Bay pass defense is a lot better than its run defense. So if yeah, if Oakland, uh, you know, Josh Jacobs having a good game would be a start, and Waller could have a good game too, but they need to get somebody else going because I don't think Tyrell is a realistic candidate, even if he plays. Zay Jones, too weird, don't know what's going on, even if he plays. Uh, but they don't have any other options. It's like Foster Moreau, maybe one of the running backs, Richard or Washington, but I, I'm kind of skeptical that they can get the third person going. Trevor and that, Davis revenge game. It's uh, been right there yeah, in front of you for this whole rant. This game will come down to the revenge games of Trevor Davis and Ryan Grant. Um, I, that's what this game is about so yeah can't wait to see it but uh, no I, I am skeptical that the Raiders can get that third skill position guy going and I think that's why I would I would take Green Bay to win but not cover yeah I do like the Raiders to cover as well just that they're uh the Packers are just so dinged up that I think that we're going to see a low scoring game here the 47 feels like a bit high for this game potentially um and like you were saying the yeah, Raiders went up. also why? shorthanded yeah I, ugh, I I take the under, yeah. Yeah, so that's my main play for this game. And then, uh, yeah, I agree with the assessments that we've laid out in terms of how dinged up both of these skill possession groups are. Uh, Let's jump on over to Indianapolis going up against Houston. Uh, Really interesting game, a game that has a lot of uh, playoff implications, potentially a lot of divisional ramifications as well. Indianapolis at home checking in as one-point favorites in this one. This is a tough one to read because Houston, like when Houston's hot, man, it, it's tough to really bet against them, even on the road and even against an Indianapolis team that has kind of traditionally owned them. Yeah, and Indianapolis is still beat up on defense. I uh, don't know if Malik Hooker might be back. He at least was a limited practice participant uh, today, but they still might be without Pierre Desir, who's their probably he's the best outside corner for sure, and they might also be without Kenny Moore, who's their slot corner, arguably their best overall. But either way, they were probably if, if those guys don't practice tomorrow then they're down their two top corners and the top remaining one is a rookie who is not particularly toolsy he's probably more of a zone guy with a rock yasin um so yeah there's that i guess we got to keep an eye on justin houston who was listed as a calf injury and did not practice today so taekwon lewis has been out there's a lot wrong with that defense it wasn't exactly loaded on talent to begin with they kind of needed to overachieve last year uh, when they surprised everyone so much and uh, they're shorthanded too so i like frank reich as a coach a lot more than bill o'brien like definitely pretty sure bill o'brien is one of the worst but you know they got a lucky draw here uh, there's no good excuse for the houston passing game to f- fail in this setting and if the houston passing game is anywhere near its standard level then jacoby Brissett, for whatever 
whatever he offers he's just not really that kind of quarterback to, to match a high level of play like he can maybe keep you from sinking below a certain level but he, he won't carry an offense the way that you need to if Deshaun Watson gets hot yeah so that that could be a huge issue obviously I mean Mahomes it, that matchup with Indianapolis going into Arrowhead a similar deal do you think if Indianapolis employs that same blueprint against a worse coaching staff in Houston that they could find their way to just kind of like sit on the ball a little bit just play that possession uh bruising type of style or or is the texans run defense stiff enough to where that that exact blueprint wouldn't work this time i think they're gonna have to try to take it that way although they might have ty hilton i think they will actually so that's something worth thinking about he makes the field a little bigger for the offense at least but the thing the, the way that the texans failed so badly a few weeks ago against the zone the cover four defense of carolina that was an offense that they pretty much haven't run the last two weeks. Uh, this uh, football outsiders, Derek Klassen, wrote something about this today, actually. But the last two games, the Texans started running a lot more empty backfield formations, which has afforded a few more underneath routes to Deshaun Watson. And I'm guessing that's how they're kind of flooding some of these zones that were so problematic for them before. And once you just do a couple weeks of something like that, that throws off the whole game planning viability of the the other team because... It's like the Panthers, they, they knew they could do their cover four because Houston never did anything else. But now if you want to go in with a heavy zone defense, knowing that they've got this credible uh, threat of underneath flooded zone routes to account for that, then maybe you have to at the very least go with a different kind of zone where you can't just sit on those deep breaking routes. It opens things up for Fuller and Hopkins to get open downfield which um, I have no rationale for this other than that it's been too long but DeAndre Hopkins almost has to get going in this game like the odds he's he's playing fine it's just not really been there uh, Will Fuller maybe has been neglected by defenses because he could have had three more touchdowns last week that he just there weren't easy catches but he didn't catch them uh, eventually Hopkins is going to be the guy on those kind of just slipped up coverages and he doesn't drop the ball no he he uh, he most certainly does not so on a side perspective here, uh, do we like the Texans or Indianapolis? I got to go with the Texans because as much as I, I still think Bill O'Brien is like an irredeemable buffoon. Nincompoop. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of them. There's a lot of these words that we could use for Bill O'Brien, but they did change the game plan. And the game plan that they're using now, I think, would work against the Panthers. So I think it can work against the beat up Colts. Yeah, Indianapolis just is dinged up enough that he even coming off that buy. I, I also side with the Texans here. Uh, let's jump over to Jacksonville uh, facing off against the Bengals. The Bengals are at home. Jacksonville three and a half point favorites in this one. Jacksonville's offense could not get going against the Saints last week. You it gets a little bit more forgiving uh this time up in cincinnati yeah i won't claim to know enough about quarterback play to to verify whether this is true or not but sean payton explained last week that the saints tried to beat gardner Minshew by forcing him to remain in the pocket and go through his reads uh contain him in the pocket so that once his reads had been run through if if he couldn't find anyone he couldn't in this case scramble outside the pocket and start improvising like his mobility has allowed him to this year so maybe the Bengals try to do the same thing and maybe it works but there's also a really good chance that even if they do try the same thing that the reads will get open against these against this Bengals defense which might be without its top three corners if I remember right it seems like an issue yeah so um not to say that 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 group especially the non- William Jackson ones, not to say B.W. Webb and Drake Kirkpatrick are so good or anything, but 
Uh, oh, and Carlos Dunlap might be out of this game if I'm reading this right. So uh, no practices yet this week as of today for Carlos Dunlap, William Jackson, Dre Kirkpatrick. Uh, they have okay. BW Webb is playing, so it's the top two corners that might be out for the Bengals. But uh, that opens up the outside quite a bit, and that means DJ Chark should be running against uh, the number four or five corner. And with that, we, and Conley we, for that matter, I mean, he's he could get open against these guys. So, a oh, weird thing: D. Westbrook might not be playing, and Marquise Lee doesn't look so great either. If so, I have to think Keelan Cole is the slot receiver in this game, and that's interesting for you know your DraftKings type lineups. Oh, that's yeah, that is an interesting call because he was obviously a big part of that offense a year ago. I think he can at least play a competent spot start spot start type of uh, brand of slot stop receiver. Stop spart. It's a stop spart now. <laughs> yeah, I'm really good at talking. Um, so uh, otherwise in this game, do we think that Fournette gets it going as well? Yeah, I mean they should. I, I would be pretty disappointed in Gardner Minshew, uh, Doug Marone, everybody, if they can't kind of keep control of the game script here. And because Fournette is their backfield, it's like if they have the ball and he's not going, they're not really going in general. And I, I just would be surprised if they struggle against this already awful but also beat up team okay and then on the other side of this Bengals wise i don't believe aj green is quite ready to roll just no. yet so any of these receivers we like now that uh, jalen ramsey i mean obviously jalen ramsey's been sidelined for the jaguars before getting traded um but anything to like as far as the Bengals go maybe outside of tyler boyd well, Boyd's got a pretty tough matchup with DJ Hayden, even with Jalen Ramsey gone. So, I mean, Boyd's good enough that you're still leaving him in your season-long lineups, but it might be a bit of a funnel away from him with that said, which is to say, in a game where he could have seen 12 targets anyway, maybe he only sees eight or something like that. And if so, maybe Auden Tate gets some of those targets. Maybe Alex Erickson does. I don't think I don't know how watching how Andy Dalton has played the last two weeks, we can look at this matchup and think it would get much better. Like I know it's good that they're in Cincinnati. I know a lot of Andy Dalton's biggest struggles in his career have been specifically with his divisional opponents, but I still think AJ Bouye and DJ Hayden is enough, especially given their dependence on uh, Tyler Boyd. Like that's enough for me to say like Dalton's effed again. Like, I don't know how he, (laughs) I don't know what's better about this exactly. So I'm, I'm not quite on board with the people who are really hyping Auden Tate lately. Like, I think he's basically a better version of Geronimo Allison, which is to say maybe a functional third receiver. He could be better than that. I could be wrong, but I don't think he's like one of the best receiver prospects in the game. And there I was there was a like borderline viral video of oh, him properly this viral. week, like floating around. Like, didn't you see it get retweeted on your timeline like a million times this week where it's like Auden Tate made five catches last week and each of them were weep, weep yeah it's it's like it's cool that he has body control and you know he can make some of these catches that are difficult but wouldn't you like a receiver who doesn't need to make such difficult catches like it's almost like like Auden Tate was a had a totally reasonable reception like the past couple weeks when people were like hey this guy came out of nowhere maybe he can be a good you know rotational piece for a decent offense and then it went from that to a few uh you know circus catches and a joke of a game against uh, the Ravens um, with a lot of missed targets too like he he only he wasn't exactly efficient in that game it was like five of 12 targets so it's kind of a garbage time production thing and now all of a sudden people are like oh my god like they think he's Cortland Sutton or something it's like he's not that he might be pretty good but he's he's just not anything like these these runaway uh hype narratives are saying um so particularly given Dalton's ability to implode on his own 
And besides that, I just don't think the matchup is that favorable. So uh, Tate's on the upswing. I just don't see a reason to buy in all that much this week, particularly. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't either. At least to the extent that uh, it seems like some other corners of the internet uh, have decided to buy in. Uh, let's jump over to an NFC North matchup. We got the Vikings uh, coming off a really impressive win over over the Eagles, and then we got the Lions uh, returning home after a ref show on Monday. Yeah, so Dalvin Cook will need to carry the Vikings' offense in this one, I think, because. Kirk Cousins, even though this is a dome, even in Detroit, when he goes on the road, that's when he tends to cook up his worst ideas. And the Lions' pass defense should be able to pretty much neutralize both Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen probably seeing more of Justin Coleman, who might be even better than Darius Slay, as much as Darius Slay plays more outside and has probably the greater reputation at this point. But with that said, as much as I, as much as Coleman might be better than Slay, Slay should still be a problem for Stefan Diggs. Like that's just a difficult matchup, and Coleman being there means they can actually shadow Diggs. Like Slay can follow him wherever he is, and uh, you know he might not, he might get something like only five or six routes against anybody but Slay. So he'll need to be really sharp, and he'll need Cousins to be sharp. But I just, I don't know. It, I, it's one thing to do well against the Eagles at home, their terrible pass defense, and it's another to go to Detroit and play well again. So. Uh, even with the bit of a homecoming narrative of going to the state of Michigan, I think Cousins struggles for the most part. And uh, Cook is good enough to carry them, but he'll need to, I think. And uh, on the other side, it's like, I don't know, Lions or whatever. The Stafford played well lately. Galladay's good. Uh, the Minnesota defense will probably pr- play well, though. And um, yeah, I, just, I just don't really feel all that eager to chase any Lions in this one. Uh, carry on and Galladay, Jones, whoever, you're starting them in season long, I guess. But I'll be off this uh, Dalvin Cook aside for DFS. Yeah, it's, it's a tough game to, to pick for, for DFS purposes. It, it surprisingly has a higher over-under than some of the other games on the board this week. But I, I do expect defense to kind of carry this one. And I think that's a good... Uh, look into what what challenges could be facing the Diggs and Thielen. It won't be as easy as it has been in past weeks, and certainly not uh, for Diggs, especially considering uh, what he did last weekend. Let's jump on over to the Bills facing off against the Dolphins. Bills, 17-point favorites in this one. Mario, I'm considering starting Duke Williams in this in this matchup. Go on. Well, it makes sense. Zay Jones was getting targeted before they traded him, and he he just wasn't doing anything with it. Uh, Duke Williams was at one point a pretty hyped prospect at Auburn. He's kind of had a bit of a a character explanation as to why he hasn't done anything, why he went like CFL initially. I think he crushed it in the CFL too, if I'm I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, he, he was one of those guys who tested so poorly at the combine that you almost had to accuse him of being out of shape. And it's a thin line between uh, the Preston Williams outcome and the Duke Williams one. Like Preston Williams on a better team might have gotten cut and everybody might have been like, isn't that the out of shape guy with the the weird uh, head case guy? Like, let's, uh, let's not pick him up. Let Canada have him. And, uh, you know, Duke Williams kind of went the slower, longer route of the two, uh, just getting kind of shunned by the NFL the last couple of years. But he was pedigree wise supposed to be an eventual NFL starter. So he's going to get the targets like Zay did. And so far he's doing a lot more with them. Yeah, I think, I think so too. So I, I hope that at least for my sake, it, he gets a little bit going in this one, but I mean, what else is there to look out for on this Buffalo offense going up, you know, against 
one of the easiest matchups that it'll have all year going up against the Dolphins. Well, Devin Singletary's back, so that's kind of interesting. He was their main passing down guy. TJ Yeldon has done very well as a pass catcher, but uh, they were kind of they were kind of willing to rig the backfield earlier this season. I expect they'll pretty much push Yeldon to the periphery again. And uh, with that said, like Gore probably stays a little involved. Also, there's a there's a not a homecoming narrative, but he played at Miami, and there might be some kind of stupid little thing that they keep in mind for that uh, Miami in college. I mean, but otherwise, I, I think you like Cole Beasley. John Brown, I think, is a bit limited with something or other, and maybe that makes maybe that makes Beasley a little more uh, viable than usual. But the matchup is good for all three of those receivers, and I think Josh Allen should also have uh, at least an okay game and quite plausibly a big game if if the bills decide to keep the foot on the pedal yes I, I, that's definitely uh, in the realm of possibility we're ta- when we're talking about a 17 point spread it's been so hard to figure it out uh when it comes to the dolphins uh, last week the glorious backdoor cover at the end of that game against the redskins oh man but i mean some of these other just like astronomical spreads it it kind of like makes your head spin so i think buffalo probably needs like i i trust that they'll have a good day offensively but i think they might need a little bit something extra on top of it like a pick six or something to to fully cover this one potentially yeah it could happen i think you definitely like the buffalo defense arguably the top one this week but uh yeah 17 points is a lot but man now the dolphins are there's all these heavy rumors of like they're trying to get rid of Kenyon drake it's like how bad must the morale be on that team right now and now you have to go to buffalo and you're gonna lose everybody thinks you're gonna lose by almost three touchdowns Kenyon drake's getting traded you gotta watch this just absolute crap show and and like be remembered for being a part of it i, I just i don't know how you bring your best when you're in that kind of like place mentally yeah it is it's bizarre to to say the least what's going on in miami uh, let's shift gears to the niners <clears throat> uh, redskins game uh this is another one with obviously uh, one of the worst teams going up against one of the better teams in the league and the 49ers continue to be uh, just red hot right now they look like one of the best teams in not just the nfc but but the nfl overall it feels like the hype that was going into the 2018 season is if you had the futures on it, like it, it's finally paying off in 2019 in, in a big way, it feels like. Yeah, it's been a bit of an accommodating schedule. <laughs> Namely, they haven't had a setting yet where they've had to really test Jimmy Garoppolo and put a lot on his shoulders. So far, the defense and the running game has carried them. Tevin Coleman's return from a high ankle sprain has been pretty important, I think. like he He's basically their lead guy once they have, I think, a, a bit of a lead in a game. I'm I know that he's had uh, he Tevin has had more snaps than Matt Breed the past couple weeks, but I think that might be because of the script being so uh, in control for the 49ers. Like I think if they're facing a third and two in a tie game, Matt Breida is the one A, and then Coleman is the one B who maybe gets more work in the event of a six or seven point lead in the same situation just because they they're maybe trying to limit Brita after getting hurt a bunch last year and he's also he's only like 190 or something like that so I think that's how that split's gonna work I don't know if Mostert's gonna play this week I saw he was listed as questionable at the moment on our our just player pages he hasn't been declared questionable for the game yet so I think Coleman and Brita are both looking really good in this game because it's another game where the 49ers defense in the running game should be able to account for everything they shouldn't need garoppolo to do much i don't expect them to ask him to do much other than trying to get him some easy throws to maybe build some rhythm and confidence but uh, the defense should be 
going wild again. Like this Washington offense, aside from Terry McLaurin, is just trash. And yeah, I think uh, Coleman Brita look good, and the 49ers get in relatively comfortable win without asking garoppolo to throw more than whatever like 30 passes or something okay what outside of george kittle is there anything to look at as far as this receiving cord goes dante pettis dante pettis played the most last week but i don't know if the script had something to do with that and i don't know there, there might have been literally no reason he played more snaps than the other receivers like shanahan might have just kind of not been keeping track or something so i don't know if it's worth chasing such a you know horizontally oriented receiver rotations like we all know debo goodwin and dante pettis can do various things but they have no defined role none of them do really yeah it's, it's been very tough to to get a read on what's going on with those pass catchers uh, before we move on to our, our next game we have a message from our friends over at world fantasy sports are you already knocked out of your survivor pool? I am. I, I am. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you end up losing early in the season, feeling like your success is mostly based on luck? Wish there was some alternative where you can use your actual fantasy sports knowledge as opposed to relying on whether a team wins or loses? Well, now there is. World Fantasy Sports Pools brings you the first-of-its-kind game type, stat-based survivor pools. World Fantasy Pools takes the traditional concept of survivor pools that that players are familiar with and adds in a more exciting twist. Instead of choosing a team to win a game, you will use your fantasy knowledge to choose an athlete to achieve a designated stat line. Achieve the stat line and you advance. Fail to and you will be eliminated. Be the, be the last to survive or make it through all the rounds to win or split the prize pool. Just choose one athlete each round to achieve a designated stat line to advance to win. It's that simple. Sign up today at at worldfantasypools.com that's www.worldfantasypools.com we also got a message from our friends over at stats stash invest your fancy winnings are gonna need a game plan put them to work on stash and you'll get an extra five dollars to start investing over three million americans invest bank and save with stash all on one easy to use app on Stash, you can buy pieces of stocks and funds just $5 at a time. And unlike some other micro-investing apps, you get to build your own portfolio. Your Stash also includes access to a smarter, simpler bank account that actually works with your investment account and can help you save and spend smarter. Want to plan for a better financial future? Stash also offers retirement accounts and investing accounts for kids. Stash can even help teach you how to save and invest confidently with simple guides, articles, challenges, and personalized guidance. Stash is a financial home for all your money needs, and they'll give you five dollars to invest if you join today stash one app unlimited opportunity stash investment services offered by stash investments llc and sec registered investment advisor debit account services provided by green dot bank member fd ic all right mario let's jump on on over to our next game here uh, we got the titans facing off against the chargers what do we make of this one well Tannehill's starting of course and i I don't know on one level I guess he can't be much worse or can't be worse than Marcus Mariota was especially Marcus Mariota last week but I don't think there's any evidence that Tannehill's any good if he does well in this game I think it'll just kind of be because of you know creeping up on people slash the Chargers defense underachieving and I don't really want to bet on that so I have no interest 
Uh, I am kind of interested in AJ Brown in general, just because he has been for a couple weeks displacing Tajay Sharp from the offense. And uh, if the quarterback play gets decent, then maybe he could do something. Even in this game, you'd think Casey Hayward follows around Corey Davis. I'm not sure what that means because Davis is so much bigger, um, probably faster than Hayward too. So, uh, you know, that's whatever. But it goes back to Tannehill, and I just don't trust him. So Derrick Henry or nothing probably for the Tennessee offense until further notice. Don't know what to make of the Chargers other than I think Keenan Allen has to have a better game here. And I also like Mike Williams' chance of finally getting a good game going. Like he had 10 touchdowns on something like 40 catches last year, and now he has none. And he's approaching 20 catches in 2019, getting a lot of air yardage, double-digit targets the past two weeks. So I like Mike Williams on DraftKings. Um, but I guess. Do, do you think that Hunter Henry's reemergence in the offense kind of like cuts off one of his routes to getting red zone work? Maybe. I, mean, I, I get I get what you're saying where like it, it's just like he was such a touchdown monster last year. There's no way he gets kept out for, for this long over a big sample. Um, but I think that Henry's going to be a problem for him the rest of the way. And I'm, I'm a big Mike Williams guy. Yeah, Henry... Henry could be more of a problem for Keenan Allen, though, because when Gordon was out and Henry was out, Keenan Allen was getting, even for his own standards, a lot of targets, and then that's declined a little bit. Uh, Williams has been getting probably an unsustainable number of targets the last two weeks, but it's like Henry played one of those games and got a lot of work in one of those games, and the Williams model was never supposed to involve 12 to 14 targets in a game. It was supposed to be uh, like seven or eight targets a game, and yeah a touchdown every uh whatever that is eight catches something like that uh or no four something like that um so he he was doing about a touchdown every four catches last year he's approaching 20 catches with none this year i think you know not that this explains why it happened if it does happen but i think it's reasonable to assume yeah he's the kind of guy who could catch two or three touchdowns on his next five catches or something okay i I think you framed that uh, the right way so uh, i definitely get what you're what you're saying there um anything else to touch on do you have any like broader commentary on the chargers right now it seems like they are i don't know why spinning. they suck this much like they're they're the same team they've been for a long time and they weren't whatever world beaters in the past but they just suck and i don't know if it's if it's you know the offensive line being lesser with okung i don't know if anthony lynn is just kind of losing his wits but it feels like they're tail spinning and i don't really see an obvious way for them to fix it uh so yeah i'm not that optimistic and the tennessee defense is not bad i'm kicking myself for not betting the under on the chargers when we were out in vegas but otherwise yeah i mean i didn't see it going this badly like this yeah sunday night was positively pathetic on that their was, end that was remarkably weak that yeah the Steelers were playing the the he says my name is duck he says call me duck please and <laughs> you got beat at home by that all right so let's jump on over to the Ravens Seahawks matchup this should be an interesting one uh, Baltimore coming off of a pair of ugly-ish wins over you know kind of shorthanded teams now they have to go all the way out west uh, to face a Seahawks team that I think is you know, along with the 49ers, you know, one of the better teams in the NFC here. Seahawks, just three-point favorites in this one. I'm kind of siding Seattle here. Yeah, that's fair. I have no good sense of this game, actually. I've, this is a tough one for me to imagine. Uh, some teams, I, I look at the matchups and I think I have an idea. I'm probably wrong, but I think I have an idea at least of how it goes. And this one, I look at it and I just don't really feel like I've got a grip at all. Uh, it's just a weird matchup. 
the location doesn't help any both teams have their fair share of injuries and uh, marquise brown i don't know if we can expect him to play with his ankle issue it's like he's he's presumably got a higher bar to clear anyway because it's like the foot is going to need ongoing maintenance as it was and now adding another detail of, of you know a way something could go wrong it might be a different process for him and i'm not that optimistic so if he's not in then we're down to just mark andrews as far as real pass catching threats go and you know it, it's hard enough to be a good passing game when you only have two vaguely competent pass catchers but when you're down to one and it's only a tight end i don't know that's that's pretty risky and i'd like to have a good receiver against the seattle defense because uh trey flowers has been pretty beatable all year it would have been nice to have someone threatening him maybe miles boykin can still do it but i'm not really getting my hopes up so i'm concerned about the setting in in those senses for lamar jackson who i otherwise have a lot of confidence in and i just kind of worry about um that particular uh, setup for him but it's kind of one of those deals where it's like if him and ingram don't have good games then i don't know how they can win and i have trouble figuring out what i think the odds are of both ingram and jackson getting a good game going it's like i can imagine it but i can't tell if i'm reading if i'm, if I'm doing too much reading between the lines and I'm, I'm uh you know being overly optimistic or something yeah do we think that seattle like in terms of the the strengths one way or the other of their defense is it one to where the ravens can go out and try to play bully ball i mean obviously that is kind of like their best route right now with, with only andrews as a viable pass catcher like do they really kind of have to revert to that run first style here and can seattle you know just load the box and kind of neutralize it yeah i don't know because the fact that i can't uh, another reason that i struggle with this game is because i don't have a good idea of what either defense is and they both have their histories of high level of play and you know you can imagine either or both of them having a pretty decent season in 2019 but neither has been especially good so far um i guess the seahawks might be getting back uh jaron reed in this game so that would be significant he's a really good defensive lineman but um i don't know it's like with with uh, flowers being so beatable at corner jamal taylor or jamar taylor is the uh nickel corner i don't think anything's intimidating about his game and uh the rushing defense um i guess i actually don't know off the top of my head whether rush, rushing defense has fared but it looks like it's uh you know no better than average nick chubb obviously ran pretty well on them last week not to say ingram can do what chubb can but i think he can do most things he can and uh i don't know i just if uh if they can get some semblance of a vertical game going then i think the run game for baltimore can work but at the question at that point even then is like can it work faster than the seahawks offense and the seahawks a have pretty plausibly good production projected for chris carson but b have at least two good receivers i think russ is gonna have all day to throw too is the problem the ravens have had no success getting to the passer this year and you know when you leave russ back there in a clean pocket or just let him operate however he wants for you know three plus seconds you're gonna get picked apart and i think that this Ravens secondary uh even with the addition of marcus peters i don't know how much that that helps him at least immediately Uh, i guess i guess he knows these seattle receivers to to an extent but yeah i don't really see this going well i think the the seams could be open for for uh for those seattle receivers going up against uh a safety core that lost it's down to its third string uh safety opposite earl thomas because deshaun elliott's out for the season now um so yeah it's gonna be a problem if if will disley was 
healthy, I would be like all over him for this week. Luke Wilson can maybe do, you know, half of what half or three quarters of what of what uh, Disley could do. So maybe he's like a fine streaming candidate as well. Or at least I'm talking myself into that a little bit. Yeah, I uh, I already gave Luke Wilson a shot last year, and <laughs> I'm probably just gonna. Okay. bow out of that particular john understands. venue but uh yeah i guess you know talking it through now i convinced myself that i definitely take the seahawks to win because i just think that the seahawks can more or less match the running potential of the ravens and i think that if it comes down to passing it's like of course even as a big lamar jackson fan i would take russell wilson to overrule him uh they're just you know R- wilson's one of the best quarterbacks ever he's at home he's an experienced player lamar jackson's 22 in his second year with terrible uh, receiver personnel so it's just a much more favorable setup for the better player already yep my uh, my dad's coming to town this weekend so we'll be watching that one and uh I'm sure we'll be sullen uh, come around dinner time on Sunday night after the Ravens lose this one. (laughs) You never know. I mean, Lamar can. The the thing that I'm wondering about especially is like, does does Carroll have a good idea of how to counter a rushing threat like Jackson? He probably does. It's I don't want to like bet that he doesn't, but you can't quite run your defense the same way against them as you do other people. So at the very least, you need to kind of do a one off week of practice that gets ready for their particular looks and. I guess it's possible that they just kind of don't really get prepared and Lamar runs wild on them, but I have trouble imagining him throwing for a lot given, you know, the, the really shorthanded personnel. Yeah. It, it's just, it's so bad right now. There, there's so much reliance on young players that are either hurt or just not quite ready for, for the limelight. So I think that this passing game is, is in deep trouble this week. And I, I decide with you, I, I think the Seahawks win this one and cover. Yeah. Uh, let's get on to the bears and the saints here. Uh, the bears, that offense, uh, you know, I don't know if the bye week really fixes anything. And the, the sure. Saints, you know, Kamara's been a little bit dinged up, and this is a tough matchup. I got a question earlier this week. Would you consider benching Kamara? I still can't do that, especially in most leagues, unless I'm, like, ridiculously flush at, at running back. I can't quite do that. I, I think that Latavius Murray might have been an interesting streamer, but uh, this Bears defense, I still think, you know, jo- the Josh Jacobs game notwithstanding, I think that this Bears defense is not one that you want to, like, target with confidence. Yeah, I have a tr- I have a lot of trouble getting a sense of this game too because uh, I don't exactly want to pick the Bears to win, even though it's in Chicago. Because I can imagine the Saints' defense doing very well against this team. But I will say, if if I pick anybody from this game in uh, DFS, it would probably be Anthony Miller as a tournament punt play on DraftKings. Like he's been running a lot from the slot. He had that weird start to the season where he basically didn't play in the first couple of weeks, but he's 45 snaps in each of the last two games. And uh obviously you want to run against PJ Williams more than you do Marshawn Lattimore and Eli Apple. So there's maybe something to consider there, but uh I can't get that optimistic for David Montgomery in the running game and uh I just I don't know. I I don't have a good feeling about this game, and I kind of just want to stay away from it. Yeah, it's definitely going to be uh, one of the weirder games of the weekend, one that you know I, I wish that uh, the, the Saints were, were at full speed for because you know a high-flying Saints offense versus a, a really good Bears defense is always something that, that is worth monitoring. It feels like we're not going to quite uh, get that one. Bears three-and-a-half points. I think, I think the Saints can cover that. I got that extra half point gets me, I think. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think I got to take the Saints. I mean, I'm I'm bad at these kinds of things. I'm bad at keeping track of like how much of these teams traveled, how much rest do they have, who do they play next week? Are they thinking about that game instead? Is this a trap for whatever stupid reason? And I just think of like how much Mitch Trubisky sucks and how Chase Daniel is his backup and uh, I see Allen Robinson running against Marshawn Lattimore and like playing amazing but getting nothing for it because the pass quality sucks and David Montgomery getting like 25 yards on 13 carries and I'm just wondering how the Bears actually get on the board even if their defense is playing well so I think I'll go with the Saints to win it uh, while qualifying that with the the fact that I'm extremely stupid okay I love that qualification that's pretty much how I qualify all things that I do Uh, let's get on to the last night games here before we round things out Uh, we got the Cowboys going up against the Eagles this is a this is a tough one. I, I mean, the the Cowboys sunk me in Survivor, so I'm Ugh. I'm v mad at them. They're so stupid. Uh, Jason Garrett is is a coward, and I don't even think that Jason Garrett's necessarily a dumb guy, but he's just like a little weasel man who <laughs> just does what Jerry Jones tells him. And it's I keep I keep howling about this, and everybody ignores me because I I sound like a lunatic and no one cares. But uh, I am pretty much positive that Jason Garrett quite literally carries out game plan orders from jerry jones and i think kellen moore was not following those in the first three weeks and i think jason garrett got him in line starting with the saints game and i i can say this even louder than ever now because tony romo not me on television during that game against the jets said i see jason garrett's footprints all over this offense and then later he elaborated and said he told kellen moore like we're gonna start running the ball on this drive and um i think that if kellen moore is running the offense like they do in the first couple of weeks then uh you know they light up this secondary of philadelphia's that's just been utterly helpless for weeks but i have no faith that they'll do anything in particular that makes any sense and i can imagine uh Carson Wentz putting forth a really good game even if the Dallas defense is okay it's not great and uh, Carson Wentz has a way of playing well in big games this is a game that they more or less need to win being a uh, divisional matchup with both teams at three and three so I don't know Um, I thought Dallas was going to win against the Jets and I kind of think they still should have slash it would have helped if uh, Amari Cooper hadn't left after three snaps or whatever but uh I don't know maybe maybe Tyron Smith and Lyle Collins can play and maybe that difference alone is enough for Dallas to become a little bit better um but they're a hideously mismanaged team and I I think that uh, a good coach would win with Dallas but I think the good coach is on the other team even as much as Doug Peterson has kind of been uh, a little bit goofy this year yeah he has I mean it's just it's so hard to get a read because I mean we both know what these teams can be but we also like uh, you know we can't ignore what happened last week where the Eagles got shredded by Kirk Cousins you know yeah I love Dak Prescott I think he's great and I think he'll have a good game here but it's just that I can imagine Carson Wentz matching him and I think in the process he won't have to deal with as many coaching errors as Dak Prescott will and I don't think um I don't know I I also can imagine Dallas kind of beating their head against the wall with the run which the Eagles for all their issues probably are good at yeah they would invite that yeah and well that's like yeah that's the issue I guess that's what it always goes back to with the Cowboys it's like they are a threat to do what the other team would first ask them to do. Like if, if the Eagles were sent like a, a list of like, what would you like from us in this game? Like, Could you run it like at the center every play? Yeah, like especially on first and second downs, please. Yeah. Don't throw the ball unless it's third down. Okay. And Dallas is like, 
well, hey, we were going to do all that stuff anyway. This is great. <laughs> um, and whereas the Eagles are the kind of team, like even if Doug Peterson has been misguided with some of his choices, uh, that Jake Elliott pass certainly comes to mind. Uh, it's it's one of those things where it's like, man, I still, I, I, I just defer to the guy who is not doing his best to uh, coach as if he were the marionette of a, you know, maniac like Jerry Jones and I just think that the Cowboys, as a general rule, if there's a way to lose a game, they will find it. And I think that the Eagles are invested enough in this one and have enough competitive acumen that they will not be the team that that finds every possible way of, of undoing themselves. Yeah, I'm with you there, man. I, I think the Eagles go in there on Sunday night on a big stage and, and get the job done down in Dallas. Uh, let's round things out another divisional matchup here Uh, we got the Patriots nine and a half point favorites on the road in New York facing off against the Jets Jets surprisingly you know uh, you know with all the things that we just said about the Cowboys maybe it's not that surprising that the Jets were able to find a way to win last week but I think either way Sam Darnold showed no worse for wear and Robbie Anderson back from the dead which is exciting yeah, they, uh, the, the Jets actually showed some smarts as far as calling their offense. Like They had Robbie Anderson mostly playing on the left before that game, and if they kept him there in this, he would have only run against Byron Jones. Uh, the long touchdown was against Chidobia Wouzier on the other side, on the right, and you know, there's no way of getting away from Stephon Gilmore, unfortunately, but it's nice to see little flickers of insight uh, from Adam Gase when you would normally assume the worst about him. But uh, he's, he's no Jason Garrett. But uh, with this one, the matchup is so bad. And the Patriots, they have good players in the secondary. But it's also reached the point where, uh, and this is usually the case with Belichick and his defenses. But it's like their reputation of being such a physical, smash mouth, awesome defense basically results in refs looking at obvious holds and pass interferences and and saying like wow that was a great play by the defender and uh the jets are not going to get charitable calls or at least i don't think they will so expect to see robbie anderson just kind of like piggybacking stefan gilmore for most of the game and uh refs saying throwing a flag on anderson for not carrying him good enough something like that and uh otherwise James and Crowder looked great last week too. As much as Anderson uh, is really good in his own right, uh, Crowder looked really quick in that game and almost even fast at a couple points. And he's not supposed to be fast as much as quick, but uh, definitely quick. He he kind of was like dizzyingly quick at a couple points, and I think you can expect him to have a, a nice finish to the year if Darnold can stay healthy because Darnold's the real deal. I know that it's hard to be patient with these quarterbacks, especially you know when they're uh first or sorry second overall third overall whatever he was and you're like i want you i want you to be awesome right now we spent such a high pick on you but it's like he still is only 22 and he's like lamar jackson's really improbably young for how much he has played and how well he has played Darnold's six months younger than lamar jackson so he only turned 22 in something like june that's crazy and uh he's he's always been a natural um he's he's like wild at times but the upside is very obvious with him and uh I guess I can see them covering nine and a half, but uh, yeah, I don't see them winning. I don't see them winning either, but you know, the home home team covering nine and a half, definitely possible um, on the new England side of things. Uh, anything to look out for fantasy wise? Uh, Brian Poole's having a good year as the Jets slot corner. So 
that's not a reason to shy away from Edelman. You start him every week if you own him in season long, but it might cause a bit of a funnel to the outside or maybe even the backfield. Like maybe it goes a little bit to James White or Sony Michelle, who apparently gets up to three targets a game now. And uh, that's wild. But yeah, I think it's setting up to either be like a James White kind of big game or maybe one of the outside receivers. Josh Gordon, I guess, is, is you know, he, he's been awfully quiet lately for a player as good as he is. And, you know, having a matchup this good, those outside corners have not played well for the Jets. OK, so that could be a, a spot where Brady can can find the weakness in that defense and exploit it. And like you said, Josh Gordon, we, we've been waiting for for that big game from him of late. Uh, but otherwise, uh, that's going to wrap things up for t- for today's RotoWire NFL podcast brought to you by Yahoo and Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports. 